Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. We talk about all the time, like, Heather, like, the kids will repeat something back to us, and we're like, it's working. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, this is a great story. Um, Harley, uh, my youngest, yep. a four-year-old, Harley um, w- wanted something. She wanted, like, uh, to play with uh, a, a Barbie doll or play with a My Little Pony. And she's like, I want My Little Pony. I want My Little Pony. And we're like, Harley, what do you say? Looking for her to say, like, yeah. obviously, please. Yeah. Uh, like Harley, what do you say? And she just threw out a saying that she goes, "Suffering silence." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my god, it's working. <laughs> Bodie got hurt on the trampoline once, yep. and we're like, we're like Bodie, Bo- Bodie, it's okay, it's okay. Like Bodie, it's okay. What do you say? Like when when something hurts, and he he, he goes, "It's when I was in like the Jocko mm-hmm. stuff." He, he gets hurt, and he goes, he's laying there, he's like, "Good." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> The brainwashing is yes. working. Love it's- it. What confidence is has nothing to do with winning or the leaderboard. What confidence is is knowing that you giving your best effort is enough. Hello, sir. Hey, Patrick. How are we doing today? Great. Um, today's topic. I think I, I feel like I always say this one's a little bit different, but this one actually feels a little <laughs> bit different. Um, a few weeks ago, you sent me a link to a, a website, and I'll, I'll we'll link it in the show notes. But it's from a website called um, All Pro Dad, um, and it was just a list of of sort of um, the the author's ten things he hope his kids remember about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it got me thinking. I'm I am. Um, I sent that to you because you are a young. I, dad. I was just going to say I've got yes. a almost a fifteen month old, so yes. obviously thinking about parenting a lot. And knowing you and Heather as well as I do, I know that you guys. Um, don't take your roles as parents lightly uh, at all. So when I say this one's a little bit different, what I mean is we're going to talk about parenting, um, which is not something that we've ever talked about and really not something that you've really talked about that I've seen. So um, a little bit different in that respect. And so um, I brought that up to you that I think that that would be a good topic. So you've been thinking about kind of where you'd like to take that idea. And Mm -hmm. um, you sort of sent me, I think, nine or 10, just sort of like, parenting tactics that mm-hmm. you found success in. So we'll just go through that list and I'll bug you with questions yeah, as, as we see fit. Yep. Um, so the first one is um, one that I think is actually really interesting and, and probably not many people sort of abide by it, which is um, spouse first, not the kids. Yeah. So that's, I can imagine that is almost controversial, but I, I but so I'm really curious what that means. It was, con- when I first heard it, it was contrary. I didn't buy into it. I always thought it was like, Kids are everything. They are your everything. You run in front of traffic for them. You do whatever you can. And you and your spouse are a team to try to help them on this journey through life. Yep. And this actually was brought up to me first by a friend of mine who's um, really religious. 
and he says that, that he told me that the Bible actually says the opposite way. The Bible says love your spouse first, mm-hmm. your kids second. I, that's, I'm butchering. It's yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> I'm paraphrasing at yeah. best, right? Um, I'm paraphrasing what he paraphrased, yeah. and I didn't read it. But essentially, it says that it's about your wife, or it's about if it's about your spouse. And if you guys, here's the reason why. And after I, I talked to my wife about this, and we, um, and after I've lived with it for a little bit, it is so true and the the examples are everywhere we see it now the idea behind it is if you love each other if you have such a strong relationship if you guys are so invested in each other's happiness your kids are just gonna be a byproduct of that now the reverse of that is you're trying to work so hard to make sure your kids like that your spouse takes a second seat and now there's at worst, maybe like bitterment or resentment, or there's a scorecard of who stayed up last night and who's yeah. doing the dishes and all that stuff. And if that happens, like no matter what you try to do to invest in the kids, the way your relationship is is transparent and it's not whole. And your kids see right through that. You we we see it all the time with some of the friends that we know through schools or whatever um, of our of our kids' parents that we hang out with, and. They're not happily married at all, but the saying is that they're staying together for the kids. Yeah. Well, that's not for the kids. Like they're not they're not doing anybody a favor. They're just trying to like they're not investing in their own relationships. So the saying is spouse first, then kids. And the reason is if you love, 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 and you show how much you love and you are invested in your marriage, your kids are just gonna be a byproduct of that. Mm-hmm. And the opposite is not true. If you invest and do everything you can in your kids, it doesn't mean your relationship's going to be better. If your relationship isn't better, your kids aren't better. Right. Cool. Okay. Second one. Um, This one is not a surprise from you, but praise effort and character and not talent. But specifically, and we've talked about that. um, With athletes. With athletes. Exactly. So what does that look like? With a totally different, much deeper relationship with a kid. Um, And it should be said, you you your experience now parenting has been from you know Maya's eighteen. I have an eighteen year old, a fourteen year old, yeah. a six year old, and a four year old. So I'm really curious where how you've navigated those those that sort of that wide gamut of you know that that principle with Bodhi is a lot different now than it is with Maya. Yeah. So this stems from I'm, I always mix these two up. It's either Angela Duckworth and grit, or Carol Dweck and uh, mindset. mindset. Yeah. So it's all about having like this growth mindset. And they, they both reference, or they, at least one of them references, this really famous study where these they took um, elementary school kids and they had them take a test. And when the kids got the test back, they got one of two um, notes written on the top of it. It either said, uh, nice job on this, you're really smart. An equal number of kids got a test back that said, nice job on this, you worked really hard. They had kids retake another test that was two or three grade levels above their education. And the kids that got their feedback that said, you're really smart, did terrible on the test. They gave up because they couldn't push through and struggle and face. The saying was like, I'm smart, this is hard. I can't answer this. What's the deal? I'm, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Whereas the kids that got the response that said, you're, you worked really hard, they gritted and they grinded through it and they pushed through it and they did phenomenal on the test. Substantially, like astronomically better than the so-called smart kids. And this, the theory behind that is, the saying behind that is, 
it's not about intrinsic traits or um, talents. It's not what you've been gifted with. It's about the behaviors and what you put into it. It's about the work ethic. So if you reward the effort, not the results, you're going to get a much better long-term effect. Now, how does that manifest itself? What does that look like in parenting? Kid comes home and, sa- and says, I got, you know, I got an A- minus on my test. And say, nice job, you aced it. You say, good job, you worked really hard on that. Mm-hmm. And similarly, if a kid is struggling, it's, well, you're not that good. I mean, you're not that good at this. It's mm-hmm. like, well, this is how we work hard. The bottom line is don't ever say like, you are good at this. If you say you are good at this, they believe everything is inherently tr- born into and they can't grow and develop. Humans are adaptable, changeable, learning machines. That's why we are the dominant species on this planet, that and opposable thumbs, mm-hmm. like whatever. But the biggest thing is how adaptable we are and how much we can learn. If you're putting in a fixed mindset into your kids, you are doing them a major disservice. I grew up with a fixed mindset in a lot of different areas. Yeah. And it's not, it's domain specific, meaning like I grew up with a fixed mindset in terms of uh, school. Mm-hmm. I thought that I was not smart. I couldn't read very well. I didn't do well in school at all. Um, so I thought that I wasn't smart. But in um, and similarly in sports, if I if I picked up a sport and did well, wow, you're really good at yep. skiing. You're really good at um, water sports, windsurfing, whatever it is. Oh, you're not as good at baseball or whatever it is. It's as opposed to rewarding like, wow, you're working really hard at baseball. Good job. Wow, you worked really hard. You put a lot of practice into your skiing. Changes the game drastically for people. Is it? Have you found it to be a challenge since most of the world seems to want to um, ascribe talent? Yeah, you know, I think, or do you feel like you're battling? You know, the kids come home and you've got to sort of rewire. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of believe that my kids are in a bubble that I have ultimate influence over. Mm-hmm. You know, that is like something that I. I intrinsically take the ownership of, I am here to mold my kids. And we talk about all the time, like Heather, like the kids will repeat something back to us and we're like, it's working. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, this is a great story. Um, Harley, my youngest, a yep. four-year-old, Harley um, w- wanted something. She wanted like uh, to play with uh, a, a Barbie doll or play with a My Little Pony. And she's like, I want My Little Pony. I want My Little Pony. And we're like, Harley, what do you say? Looking for her to say, like, yeah. obviously, please. Yeah. Uh, like, Harley, what do you say? And she's throughout a saying that she goes, suffer in silence. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my God, it's working. <laughs> Bodhi got hurt on the trampoline once. Yep. And we're like, we're like, Bodhi, Bodhi, it's okay. It's okay. Like, Bodhi, it's okay. What do you say? Like, when, when something hurts and he, he, he goes, it's when I was in like the Jocko mm-hmm. stuff, he, he gets hurt and he goes, he's laying there. He's like, good. <laughs> <laughs> the brainwashing is yes. working. Love it. but if you take ownership of that like yeah. it's the same deal like you have control it's not like don't default to the teachers don't default to their peer group don't default to like the media or society to raise your kids it's like it's up to you and mm-hmm. it's, it's as simple as like saying a few things repetitively mm-hmm. it takes seven times before they hear it so after the seventh or eighth time, you're not being a broken record. That's when they're hearing it for the first time and they're sponges. And if they don't feel like they're hearing it, they're hearing mm-hmm. it. Yep. But repetitive behaviors pay off big. Repetitive sayings pay off big. Mm-hmm. So consistency. Yes. Um, this one we, 
think we've talked about it a little bit, but no junk in the house. I assume we you mean probably, food. Yeah. I don't, we, I don't remember if it was this episode, if it was a CFNE way that you guys... We probably talked about it in terms yeah. of some nutrition thing. Yeah. But um, here's the... Um, so, like, back story to this. Yep. Like, people ask me all the time, like, what should I have my kids eat? Yep. You know, like, it's the same thing as adults should eat. Like, there's no reason to have a kid's menu at a restaurant. Yeah. They should eat the same thing yeah, we since, do. since I've heard you say that, I, I pay more attention to the children's menu. It's like... Mac and cheese Terrible. and hot dogs or whatever. Mac and cheese, um, chicken fingers, yeah. pizza, French yeah. fries, hot dogs. It's like, and then you go to like the kids aisle and it's like crap, crap, crap with like fun colors and cartoons, yep. Yep. you know, go-gurts and cereals and it's just junk. So um, can you control what your kids eat 24 hours a day? Absolutely not. They're going to go to a birthday party. There's going to be things at school. But does that mean that you should like, default at home too like that sounds ridiculous yeah. to me like if they're going to eat at school like then we should have the cheese its and the doritos at home like it's exact opposite to me and kids other parents are like well don't you afraid that they're gonna binge it it's like well yeah actually you're probably right we should probably have some marlboro lights as at home too as well because like, <laughs> somebody the, will offer them a cigarette yeah, it's like it's yeah. like just because like instill the good habits um so we don't do and there's no junk in our house yeah so someone will be like, you know, I want ice cream. It's like, okay, go for it. If you can find it, go get it. <laughs> I want a cookie. Okay, go get it. It's like, there is no fights. They don't ask for it. It's yeah. literally, we never have a dessert and they never ask for it. It's never, ever asked for in our house. Mm. Now they might ask for, what we do have is like tortilla chips. Yep. We do have like uh, um, like maybe like a, a perfect food bar or something like that. And they'll ask for things like that. Yep. Like, okay, if those, those are the treats. The treats right. Yeah, if those are the treats, like eight, like a handful of um, sweet potato chips, yep. like we're doing okay, yeah. you know, it's. Yeah, and in that, um, in the CFNE Way episode, which is the the podcast for the gym, I, I you and Dan talk about this a little bit. And one of the things that I remember you saying is when you guys are out and maybe they do have a, you know, a cake or ice cream or yep. something, and then they sort of inevitably don't feel well. Yeah, you sort reinforce of reinforce. It. Totally. Here's why you guys, you know, he, here's why you don't feel well. Yeah. And next time we have, you know, next time they they are presented with that, maybe they remember that. Oh yeah, the last time I had a huge piece of cake, I did not feel so well. The next it's just time. neuroassociation, yeah. right? You associate. It's great if you can do this, like like you're saying, brainwashing type yeah. thing. But if um. You know, we let our kids, if we go out and we're, if there's fa- we're within other families and they're having pizza, we let our kids have pizza. After the first or second slice, we say, let's, like, do you really, we don't say don't have one. We're like, do you really want another one? We, I don't want you to get a bellyache. Yep. And then they associate like too much pizza with bellyache. Yep. And that's just like by itself. It's like, you can have another piece, go for it. But I just don't want you to get a bellyache. Yep. It's like, so you're I'm, just, you're just, you're just putting yes. those things together. Yep. And it's the same thing. Like we go out and like we go out to, uh, we were at a, uh, a baby shower for one of our friends. And obviously there's tons of junk yeah. there. There was cookies and cakes and brownies or anything like that. And our youngest Harley had a cookie. And after the cookie, she's like, I want cake. I was like, Harley, baby, you already had a cookie. I don't want you to get a bellyache. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, I won't get a bellyache. I won't get a bellyache. It's like, all right, let's have, let's have a bite of it then. And it's yep. like, okay, well, we don't have a belly. It's like, yep. you know, I'm on your side. I'm doing this because I yep. don't want you to get sick. Yep. And inevitably, they do like if they eat too much and if they do eat too much, like what a great opportunity to reinforce, like this doesn't make you feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, Next one, follow through. So follow through is, I I think we've talked about this this or somewhere. I think it was just one of the most recent episodes. Yeah. So this is like what I learned from Heather so incredibly well. Um, She's, 
ain't awesome at it. The follow through thing is the same thing with any relationship you have. Everything is built off of trust, mm -hmm. right? And the best way to create trust is to follow through, which means I'm gonna I I say, you know, I do what I say and I say what I do. To Heather's thing is like if there's ever a threat, if there's ever this um um, you know, a, a looming punishment. If you don't do this, I'm going to take away your blanket. Yep. You're not going to go to your friend's house. We're not going to go watch a movie. We're not going to, whatever it is. It's like <laughs> a lot of parenting is just threatening. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. But that's yeah. like when you realize like you have to, you have to, you know, um, incentivize the right behaviors because that's, you're trying to grow someone to become a civilized person in this society. And a lot of it becomes down to um, the appropriate um, bargaining chips. Yep. So if someone is, if Harley and Bodie are not sharing, they're yelling and they're screaming. And they're like, if you don't share the My Little Ponies, we're gonna, um, there's gonna be no TV on Saturday morning. And if they don't do it, we follow through. And there's no TV on Saturday morning. And I and I assume you remind them on Saturday morning why. Yeah, or that's probably not a good analogy because it's like, well, let's say let's say it is Saturday morning. Yep. Let's say it is Saturday morning. They're crying and they're gotcha. doing this. And it's yep. you know, it's if you do that, guys, I'm turning the TV off. Mm. And if they do it one little bit at all, because they're going to test. That's what kids do, especially toddlers. They test. They're trying to figure out the boundaries, and. This is what causes bad behavior is parents say, if you do that, I'm going to turn the TV off. And the kids inevitably, I guarantee they're going to test. They're going to do it a little bit. They're going to do like, let's say that they're fight, They're literally like one person's got the neck and the other person's got the <laughs> tail of the Milo pony yep. and they're screaming. And you say, you take it and you put it into one kid's hands and you mm -hmm. say like, this is Harley. She got it for her birthday. Bodie, you can't play with it. If you do, I'm going to turn off the TV. I promise you he's going to reach and he's going to, he's going to touch it. <laughs> yeah. He's going to poke it yep. just because I find the boundaries. Yep. If you let that slide, you're, you can't be trusted because your word is gone. Yep. If you turn the TV off right then, and there's going to be a, a it's going to be an exponentially worse situation yep. in the short run. It's going to be harder at that 10 minutes. There's going to be more emotions flaring up. But in the long run, yep. they believe what you say. And now... I know that there is a hard line. It's black or white. Dad and mom are not gray. Mm -hmm. And if we test, it's going to go. Yeah. And it's... And a big part of that, though... That and I, I slide is, sometimes. Yeah. I slide. And I go into the gray area a lot. Yeah. And I'm staring at him. And he'll touch it. I'll, I'll stand there like, Bodie, like, why would you... Yeah. I just said that. Like, what are you doing, yeah. buddy? Like, I don't want to punish you. Right. I want you to watch TV. I want you to be able to do this. It's so hard to do it. But if you... And, and then you slide and you slide and you slide. But then... And you realize, like, I got to get back to the hard line. Mm -hmm. And once you get back to the hard line, it's amazing what happens in such a short period of time. Yeah. The thing that I think is really interesting that is you as the parent have to be willing to say, I'm going to enforce that, even though it's going to make the next half hour of my life. It's make it way worse. Way harder than so before. If you do that, we're not going to the, like, here's the other thing is you don't want to, um, it's better to, um, um, I can't, I can't think of the other word, but threaten. <laughs> it's better. What's the word? I don't know if there's I mean, it's be. promise to a larger degree. Yeah, yes. so it's better to, to, to make the promise in things that um, are not going to be intrinsically value or beneficial to them. So experiences are really good for kids. Mm -hmm. So it's better not to take away experiences. Gotcha. Yep. So don't say like you're not going to the birthday party. Yep. Don't make threats you're not going to fall through on. Yep. Don't say we're not going to the Cape this summer. Mm -hmm. You're going to go to the Cape this summer. Right. So if he does it and you... So yep. do it on things that you can fall through with 
and say, you're not going to get your applesauce. You're not going to, uh, I'm going to take away your blanket. I'm going to, um, you're not going to watch TV. You, uh, whatever it is, but don't say you can't play with your friends. You can't go to the birthday party. You can't go on the ski trip. Yep. Like those things you're not going to fall through on right. anyway. Right. So don't make those threats and don't take away experiences. Take away, um, what Heather's great at is, Bodhi, we were just down the Cape and um, she got him this hundred piece of army set. Mm-hmm. So whenever he does something bad, she's like, I'm taking one of your guys. <laughs> so, so his army is so now, so now he has got an army. Now he has an army of like 94. And this was, she got him this like That's two brilliant. days ago. Yeah. So, and That's he's like, no, yeah. but she goes home yeah. and she, in front of him, takes it. Yeah. And it's like, he's like, crap. <laughs> he's losing forces. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, next one is be open and vulnerable, but never complain. This is the same type of thing as like whether you're in management or yep. you're a coach or any leadership position. Um, vulnerability creates greater levels of trust. Yep. It also opens the people up underneath you to perfor- to behave in really positive ways because they're not afraid to expose weaknesses, yep. which we all have, or expose truths or expose um, areas of question. So... If you are are like, you put yourself up on the pedestal and you're the all-knowing, all-being, you know, yep. utilitarian, godlike figure, like you're unrelatable. Yeah. Like, but if you are a parent and when you make mistakes, you should tell them like, that that's my bad. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't realize. Like, whether it's like walking around and you step on your kid's toe and like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like yeah. that, obviously that's an easy one. Yep. So I didn't mean to, but like if you, um, it's so easy to like, um, not be vulnerable mm-hmm. to like try to be bulletproof mm-hmm. but if you are open honest and vulnerable you will encourage really strong behaviors and this goes right through like corporate management or yep. coaching uh, an athletic team or whatever it is be a human being mm-hmm. and show them how um, how human you are but um, because you're being vulnerable because you're being honest open because you're being honest doesn't give you a license to complain mm-hmm particularly about other people. Mm. Never complain about other people in front of your kids. Never complain about, especially other family members, your wife or your spouse. Never complain about the teachers at school. Never complain about the other kids who are their friends because that's going to lead down a road that they then become this type of thing where they are going to mirror your actions Mm. and they're going to look at everything. If... Imagine the opposite. Imagine if they never heard a bad word, you speak a bad word about anyone ever, as opposed to like you just like having a conversation with your wife when you're driving the car and you're complaining about your kids' teachers in yep. front of them. Yep. Now, how are your kids going to act with your teachers then when they go back? Because yeah. they're like, mom and dad said, teacher yeah. doesn't know what they're doing, yep. that they're not paying attention, that they are X, Y, Z. If you never make those comments, you don't open up that Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. Um, sympathize. So this is, uh, I, I somehow stumbled into this by mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, I came across some research later on that supported it. Yep. So, um, toddlers, like two-year-olds are crazy to deal with. You have a one and a half year old, yep. right? It's coming. Yep. Um, and they talk about the terrible twos. I think the threes might be even like crazier. Yeah. Um, you can't rationalize. There's no right. rationalization. So I got to this point where my 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 um, my toddler would be like, um, 
you know, whatever. Like I, I'm using my little pony all the time. Yeah. Cause it's like, I want my little pony. Yeah. I want, I, I want my little pony. And like, um, and, um, we took it away for some reason. Mm-hmm. And instead of being like, Harley, we took away your My Little Pony because you were fighting with Bodie. Do you remember doing that? Mm-hmm. I want My Little Pony. It's like, Harley, if you just listen to me, babe, you're going to get it back if you just stop crying. If you stop crying, I will give you My Little Pony. I want My Little Pony. It's, you yeah. cannot rationalize. Yeah. Instead, you sympathize. And I came across this research, which is like, it's like the rational brain versus the lizard brain and mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the subconscious mind. And, all. Um, it, I, and the best book I've come across in this is a book called Never Split the Difference, written by a hostage FBI negotiator okay. who's turned it into business negotiations. Okay. And in business negotiation, we were told always to, it's a rat, humans are rational. We are rational beings and we've tried to find the win-win scenario. Mm-hmm. No, we are not rational, and you win-win is probably win-lose. Mm-hmm. It's instead what you want to do is sympathize and just tell the person you understand where they're coming from. And once a person understands, feels like you understand them, then they will listen. Mm-hmm. So I came across this like by mistake with Harley. She's like, I want my little pony. I want and instead of being like, if you stop crying, I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. It was, I want my little pony. And it's like, you want my little pony? Yes, I want my little pony. I know, Harley. You want my little pony. I do. You want my little pony, don't you? You want my little pony back? Uh-huh. Okay, I know. You want your my little pony. And by the, she's off playing with Barbie. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like if you just go down that road of just like literally telling them, I understand you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they talk about this in, uh, um, in the business negotiation is you repeat back, it's called mirroring. You say yeah. things back to them and then you um, label emotions. Mm-hmm. You actually tell them what they're feeling. It seems like you don't feel like my business can fall through on our promises. Mm-hmm. It seems like you have some questions about our pricing. It seems like you've uh, experienced this type of uh, situation before. And like when people are like, yes, I have, yeah. you understand me. It seems like you're a man of great faith. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. It's like, all of a sudden, now we're on level footing ground. Mm-hmm. That stuff is a way. This person understands me. I don't even care what the deal is. Right. I feel like you're going to put my best interest in first. Yeah. It, it feels similar to something we've talked about before, which is sincere listening or yes. active listening. Yep. or Very very similar. It's a lot principles. of the same stuff. Yeah. So from body language to eye contact. Even in tactful um, conflict resolution it's to a, a degree is very yeah, similar it's, to that. It, it, um, but that um, labeling, yeah. that um, sympathetic um um, sympathetic listening, mm-hmm. like repeating back to people, telling them what they want, especially for toddlers, yeah. who you cannot, will not ever be able to rationalize yeah, with a toddler. Logic into them. It, there's no logic. Yeah. Yep. So instead, repeat back their emotion to them. You're upset because... Have you had any experience um, with the older kids in a version of that that's a little necessarily probably needs to be a little more nuanced? Or is that not not come up? Yeah, I, um, it's just not as exaggerated. Yeah, right. Right. So they're not crying about My Little Pony. They're <laughs> well, uh, might be, but yeah, right. Um, you know, we're lucky enough that um, our 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 eighteen and fourteen year olds are um, studs, like <laughs> not normal. Yeah, people. They're yeah. like um, Maya's working. Maya's working as my assistant coach yeah. this year yep. and she's one of the best coaches i've ever had on my staff yeah. at 18 years old yeah. um jonah is my 14 year old i have literally 
in 14 years, never seen him upset. Mm-hmm. Like crazy yeah, weird really stuff. Cool. Uh, besides being a toddler. Yep. Yeah, being a toddler, right. every toddler gets upset. Next one is no quitting. Okay, so this is like, uh, again, the grit, perseverance, yep. uh, fortitude, all that stuff, creating, um, but it's also uh, has to do with um, creating a passion. Mm-hmm. And people are like, I just want my kids, I, th- I, and I believe this, if you can get your kids to be really good at one thing, there's so much benefit to that yeah. because there's so much self-confidence. And then if they're good at one thing, they learn um, what hard work looks like mm-hmm. and how- What age are you, are you thinking like is when you- I, As they're getting in through high school is okay. where I believe. Um, but as young kids, it's important for them to try a bunch of things yeah. because you might not like gymnastics and you might not like jujitsu and you might not like ballet and you might not like swimming. You might not like soccer. But if you let people just start and stop, you're creating a quit mentality, mm-hmm. which is like once anything gets hard, I just am going to stop. Mm-hmm. And the the what we is like, you can stop anything you want to do but you got to see it through the season. Mm-hmm. You committed to this. Mm-hmm. You can't stop until the season's over. If you signed up for T-ball, yep. you're going to every T-ball practice. Yep. I know you don't want to go today. You made a commitment. This is what we're going to do. At the end of the season, if you don't want to do it, go for it. There's a great, um, uh, I can't remember forgetting her name. This is bad, but she's the most decorated US gymnast ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not Mary Lou Redden. It's much mm-hmm. more, it's not, um, uh, Simone Biles, it's uh, I can't remember her name, Nadia something. Anyway, um, she would come home from um, gymnastics practice, and her dad was her coach, mm-hmm. and she would come back and she'd be like, "I just hate gymnastics. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I'm never going back." And mom would say, "You don't have to go back. You don't have to go back. You don't ever have to do gymnastics again, as long as you go back tomorrow." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then. She would go back yeah, and it's, yeah. it's always tomorrow. And it was always tomorrow. You can quit as long as you go back tomorrow. Yeah. And it's that kind of mentality. And like all of a sudden, you don't allow your kids to quit in the middle of something. You create um, some skills and they start mm-hmm. to get better at it. And those skills can develop into a passion. If it's a passion, it's something they can do and where they can blend. And here's kind of the idea behind this is I feel like I've been lucky enough to create this blend where I have um, really good opportunities. I have some um, skill set and some talents from the years of pounding on the craft. And um, it's a passion. It's the thing I love in terms of what I do. Yep. If you create that for your kid where they are in a job that they go, go into in their early, late, mid-20s, whatever it is, or even in their early 30s, they can find that where they can blend the line between work and play. Like to me, that's like the ultimate success in life. If you can, if if work feels like play and you are psyched for Monday morning and you are like Friday and Thursday and Saturday all feel the same, like that's a great life. Yep. The way you do that is by getting ridiculously good at something that you can do for, that you can make a living doing. Yep. Now, whether that's painting or violin or it's um, computer programming or it's soccer, whatever it is. Get your kids to be really good at something because I think there's so much value that goes into that work ethic yeah. and the confidence and what it means to to have a passion. Yeah, and so when you when you see uh, something resembling a passion in a in a younger kid, maybe early teens, do you talk to them about? let's let's try to let's try to focus on this thing that you seem really passionate about or like where how again i sort of go back to the sort of the nuance of it like 
how open and honest about that process and the value of that process are you? Or is it like, you know, you and Heather say, you know, he, he seems to be really interested, you know, into photography and let's make sure we keep giving him opportunities to do that. Or is it both? Or neither. Or neither. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, yeah, I honestly, it's uh yes. I think it's all those things. Yeah. Um, it's probably something that um, with our oldest Maya, we didn't have to do because she found it. And she was so like from age eight, she was the stud athlete, yep. right? She was the best on her. Every team she did, she was the best. So um, we didn't have to do that. With Jonah, I think we kind of thought that that was going to happen as well. Uh, maybe We knew it wasn't going to be sports, but we thought it would happen with something else. And one of the reasons I, I'm kind of big into this right now is no quit is because we didn't do it with him. Mm. And he started something and he stopped. He mm -hmm. started something. And once he got fairly good, and he's really talented. Once he got fairly good at CrossFit, he stopped. Once he got fairly good at um, magic, mm -hmm. he stopped. Once he got fairly good at piano, he stopped. Once he got fairly good at writing music, he stopped. And once he got fair, it's like we didn't That's allow sort of him. The story of my life for a long. Yeah. So it's like we didn't. We didn't. So we didn't push. We didn't yeah. pursue. We didn't look for the next opportunity. And now he's going into high school. And now we're like. Um, so in like same thing with sports, like so he started squash, it wasn't that, and it like got okay at yeah. squash, and then we like and now he wants to switch to another sport. It's like um, I I think that's time to push into one thing mm -hmm. that he's shown some interest in, and because no one's, I don't say most of us are not born with a passion. Mm -hmm. We find it, yeah. and it, we if you don't find it, you develop it, and it's a matter of like doubling down on your strengths. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot in this about exposing weaknesses and yep. working on your weaknesses because it's inherent to um, what we do for in our athletes. Yep. In terms of um, being exceptional at something, it's about doubling down on your strengths. Yeah. And that's, I think, is really important for kids. Yeah. Next one is talk about money. I assume this is not to Harley yet, but... Yeah, so this is probably for older kids, <laughs> um, but not necessarily just... It's not waiting until your kid's going to college. Yeah. Um, this is one of the books I read early on in my... Um, you know, post collegiate, like it was uh, my mom handed me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. um, it's a story of this uh, guy growing up, uh, Rob Kawasaki, I think I say his name, I might mm -hmm. butcher it, um, but really good book. It's worth a read. He grew up um, and his family was quote unquote poor, mm -hmm. not necessarily poor, like we saw, but poor mentality um, in terms of finances. But his best friend, who he spent a lot of time with and ate dinner with there, grew up in a rich family in terms of the type of family that talks about money and finances. And the differences were astronomical in terms of what happens to their lives. The idea is most people make about the same amount of money. It's what they do in their extracurriculars and where they put that money yep. that creates wealth or the opposite. The people are living paycheck to paycheck. And the biggest thing you can do is do your kids a favor and do what and talk about what they're not talking about in school. Mm -hmm. In school, they're learning about the Pythagorean theorem and trying to recite the fifth president of the United States and what's the capital of Iowa and you know what was the Treaty of Paris, Treaty of Paris about or whatever these things are. What they're not talking about is taxes, mortgages, um, compound interest. Where do what does it mean to invest into um, a diversified portfolio? Um, what what does it mean to um, to buy assets and limit your liabilities? Those type of things are really important to be talking about at the dinner table. Now, when you're talking about with four year olds, 
um, and six-year-olds, it's a very good different conversation than you're talking with 18 and 24-year-olds. Mm. But just the having the conversation at any level, talking about money and making it not a taboo subject creates a much healthier relationship with money down the road. Mm-hmm. And that's really valuable for people later on in life. Just understanding what money is and what it can do for you. I was lucky enough to grow up in a family where my dad was um, incredibly fiscally responsible and financially savvy. Mm-hmm. He invested, he was constantly flip. he had a great job, but he was constantly investing his hard-earned money into flipping real estate, mm-hmm. buying commercial real estate. We would t- talked about, he gave me um, $1,000 when I graduated um, middle school to invest in the stock market. Hmm. And whatever I made um, over um, the time from there until I got married, I got to keep. Hmm. I had to give him back the $1,000. <laughs> it's a good deal. It's amazing. But yeah. it got me like, I was buying stocks. I was yeah. looking at stocks. I was watching, it's like, I don't I don't even look at this stuff. I don't do anything yeah. now. What's funny, yeah. what's funny about this is like I'm so not I'm like I'm so not into money um in terms of the wealth and the numbers and what's creating. Mm-hmm. Um but I I know what it can do in terms of creating opportunities for people. Right. And that's what I'm kind of interested in mm-hmm. is I know it takes money to start a business yep. and I need money to start a business. Yep. I know it takes money to expand your business. So I need that. It costs money to hire another yeah. person. And you're comfortable having those conversations or thinking about that or thinking. As opposed life. to people that are kind of like, like nervous about money yep. and what does it mean? Is money evil and yep. stuff like that? Yep. The, just having the conversation, having an open discussion about it, really powerful. Yeah. Last one, Sleep. Okay, so this is, uh, we've talked about sleep on this podcast before, so I'm not going to revisit all the stuff about sleep protocols and the importance of it. Um, This is kind of about infants um, and toddlers, but even more so like babies and infants. And um, just having two that kind of of gone through this with the six-year-old and the four-year-old, when um, Bodhi was born, he's my six-year-old, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Right. Heather had forgotten what it was like to raise the, the other yeah, kids. Yeah. Um, I wasn't around with the older kids. Yep. Um, so we sh- we were kind of starting from scratch. We were yep. new parents. And man, like hard. Like not sleeping is hard. Mm-hmm. We were so lucky to just have a great, great pediatrician who um, told us about a sleep protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, we followed it to the T. And I kid you not, like our kids were like insane sleep. You know the stories about Mm -hmm. them. It's like Bodie would, um, you know, from basically six weeks on, slept through the night forever. Um, Harley would at times sleep 16 hours in a day. Mm. Just like we put her to bed, she would fall asleep in a car ride or something at three o'clock and not wake up until like eight or nine the next morning. And like, it's kind of like, what is that like? <laughs> but when you realize the pediatrician is like, this is the first thing is that sleep is the most important thing. Never wake a kid for anything. Yeah. To eat, it's more. They're going to get more growth and development from sleeping than they are from eating. It's the most important thing for an infant. Now I'm sure there's other pediatricians that may be listening to this, encountering this. I am not a pediatrician. I'm, I'm just reciting what my doctor said to me. It worked it for works. me. And I'm just throwing this back out there. This <laughs> is not science. But um, the idea behind it was when they're sleeping, we let them sleep. Yep. If we were supposed to go to a birthday party, it's like, this is an example. 
um, our kid fell asleep after Christmas morning. We were supposed to drive up to spend Christmas um, day with my family in New Hampshire. And we didn't go because our kid was napping. Mm -hmm. It's like, we just were like slaves to it. I believe that there's so much that comes from brain development yeah. and everything else. I think it's so important. So the first is this realization, like sleep is number one. Never wake a sleeping baby is kind of hand in hand with that. Mm -hmm. The next one is nighttime is for the parents. Mm -hmm. When you put your kid to sleep and they cry, you don't go get them. Mm -hmm. And that is like the first night is it's horrific. Yeah. It's like, it's um, essentially, it's like, a, a, it'd be like some sort of like form of torture, yeah. <laughs> right? Really. Yeah. Um, they're wailing, they're crying, you don't go get them. And then the next night you do the same thing. And the next night, and by the third or fourth night, the cycle's been broken. And it's the same thing with like people that want to eat. It's what it is, it's a habit. Yep. It's the habit loop. So there is the cue, there is the routine, and there's the reward. The cue is, I'm stirring in my bed mm -hmm. or like I, my eyes poke open or I'm a little bit hungry or whatever it is. Um, and I'm going to cry. And when I cry, mom and dad come in, they pick me up. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Yep. Right. Yep. The, the, the routine is they pick me up and they rock me to bed and they put me in a rocker and they re-swaddle me. And that, and the routine, the reward from that routine is I feel amazing. Yep. Like, this is awesome. So next time that you have a little disturbance, what do you do? Yep. You're going to cry. Like it's it's the habit loop. It's what we talk about with everything. Whether you're trying to quit smoking, you're trying to get lean, whether you want to get fit, whether you want to be successful in business, yeah. it's all the same stuff. Yeah, the rules apply even it, if they're, it's a six-week-old. And you got to break the habit routine. Um, and it's really, really hard. But he's like, get headphones, yep. play music, close the door. Your kid is going to be fine. And we have this pediatrician who's like, <laughs> this is it's incredible. And he's like very like... Uh, you know, he's into like ancestral, you know, um, ancestral uh, nutrition and traditional. And he, so we like, we found, we feel like we found somebody like, we're going to listen to him because we believe everything else he's saying. Yeah. And holy cow. Yeah. It, amazing. From there with the really young kids, it was this routine of like, your kids should be sleeping almost like over 21 hours a day. Mm. It's like, with the really young toddlers, the really really young ones, he had it. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up because it's been four years since we've done this, but yep. it was something along the lines of: you wake your kids up, you change their diaper, um, you breastfeed on one side, you burp a little bit, you breastfeed on the other side, you burp a little bit, and you put them back to sleep. Yeah. And they're awake for like 10, 15 minutes at a time. Yep. And they just sleep, and all they're doing is these eating sleeping machines mm -hmm. that grow like so. I just think it's so beneficial on both ends. I think the parents benefit huge and the kids benefit huge. Mm -hmm. um, probably a, a weird controversial subject that people have a lot of emotions about because everyone feels like yep. um, my kid has this, yep. my kid is this, I've done it this way, this way I've learned it, this is you don't understand. I totally get that. Yeah. I'm just relaying this what works for, for you us, um, but dot, dot, dot is a protocol that our pediatrician has used with tremendous success across his whole practice. And we were just like, we're gonna be the loyal foot soldiers. Yep. If an if someone came to us and was like, I want you to make me a good athlete, what should I do? And if we, if, basically I'm like, if you just listen, we can do some phenomenal stuff. Right. We're like, we're just gonna be great students. Yep. We're just gonna listen to what he says no matter how hard this is. Yeah, you found somebody you trusted and you said, okay. Exactly, yep. yeah. So we gave it a shot for a week 
and we had Bodie and people were like, oh, you're just lucky. It's like, mm-hmm. you just got a good kid. Wait, so you get your second one. And we had Harley, the second one. It was like, Harley was like Harley. twice as good. <laughs> Harley's competitive it's like, oh my sleeper. God, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So really cool. um, having said that, you know, they're toddlers now where we're not doing as a good job of now because it's, really? they walk into the room yeah. and for whatever reason, daddy's a real softy and daddy <laughs> likes to walk them back yeah. into their room and tuck them back in and snuggle with them. And um, for whatever reason, it was a lot easier as a baby because it was kind of like, um, I don't know, it was more in our control, as yeah. strange as that sounds. Yeah. It's like, uh, um, but Heather's better at now than I am. Yeah. Really cool. This has been a long one, so let's wrap it up there. But I feel like there's probably more in this area that we can talk about. So we'll, 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 we'll chat about it again. again. And maybe we'll have Heather on. Oh, I think it'd be great. We should bring really Heather fun. on. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. All right. Thanks, Pat. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.